Welcome to the Hey Kings podcast, sponsored by Vermeer, your trusted source in hay and forage equipment. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Elizabeth and Benjamin Omey. They sell ag plastics, and they're going to tell us about Agripel and breathable tarps, some, some very innovative products that I'm pretty excited about. They have some insights on the ag supply world and some disruptions caused by COVID, and they're going to help us think through what producers should do to address the potential for shortages in ag products. I'm looking to learn more about where these products are made, like geographically, and then what that distribution chain looks like. We're the commercial sales force for Ronnie Plast for the um, U.S. We Ronnie Plast is in Finland, and it's the largest factory in the world with one site of production for these types of films. Okay. So they come from there and right to here. And they have been open and operating since the 1950s. And they're a really, really large factory, but they really care about quality and innovation. And a few years back um, in 2016, when we kind of decided to move into uh, the agricultural end of things uh, here in the U.S., they were really excited to bring their stuff over. The innovative products that you're talking about here include repellents in the plastic, so it makes sense to me that there's only a few factories in the world that would make that type of thing. That, that seems highly specialized. Yes, it is. Can you take me through some of those? Is it uh, Agripel? Is that how you say? That's right, yes. It's actually a cool story uh, where I grew up, where we live in France. So I didn't grow up on a farm per se, but all around it was uh, surrounded by farmers and I was always around farmers and farm animals and things like that. One of our neighbors was just talking with my dad one day about uh, his supplies, his animals, his operation, everything. My father realized at that time that uh, our neighbor, his hay, but bought it, had to buy extra every year, uh, you know, between 30 and 40% extra from what he needs you know, wrapped, wrapped uh, mm-hmm. wet hay. Mm-hmm. And my dad didn't really understand. I said, why do you buy more than what you need? And he was saying, every year I have to, because I have to account for the losses due to birds and mice. And my dad was like, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And that's when he realized it was uh, the first time he heard it was an issue. Mm-hmm. And after just asking around and, you know, getting more information about it, he realized that, uh, not only it was a widely spread problem, like virtually everybody that does bailage have, has had that problem before in the past or currently, you know, and, and also that there was no solution. You know, pesticides are out of the question because it's, uh, it's feed, you know, mm-hmm. and it's in contact with, uh, with the human and with the animals, with mm-hmm. farmers and with the animals. The only real solution that you could hear sometimes is just, you know, trying to shoot the birds. But in some countries, including France, it's illegal. The birds are protected like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? There was no real solution. So for, for our neighbor, his solution was to incur that extra cost and just buy extra because he knew he was going to have some, uh, some more than some wasted uh, feed due to that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's when my dad started to kind of think about it and what to do, what could we do. And so the product we came up with, uh, which took years uh, to, to develop, uh, it didn't happen. Uh, I'm just giving you a shortcut here. Yeah. But uh, ba- basically, we came up with an additive that we put in the plastic 
The additive is totally um, harmless, non-toxic. Uh, it's made out of a different combination of 600 um, essential oils, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's made to deter, to repel, doesn't kill, doesn't hurt even. Just send them to your neighbor's house. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it repels uh, birds and, uh, and rodents. So rodents include rats, mice, uh, you know, small squirrels, mm-hmm. uh, raccoons, um, and, and it, it, they can they can sense it, and it makes it very uncomfortable for them to be around. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and the beauty of it is that because it doesn't kill them, they remember not to come around that location where the product is being used. So it's kind of a it's kind of a long term self sufficient product, and after a few years of using it. We have some loca- some farms in France now, which is the first uh, location in the world that we used that product. Now it's been uh, it's the sixth or seventh season that it's being uh, sold and bought every year over there. Mm-hmm. And we have farms that are virtually rodent free. Your neighbor that your dad originally talked to is he one of the people trying this out? Absolutely, yes, he is. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> He's able to to capitalize on it too. But, you know, that's how we work, though. We we are not like, uh, you know, we are not uh, private equity-owned firm. Mm-hmm. That, uh, we, it, it's our thing. We're family-owned. We want to help the end users. Mm-hmm. And when they come up with a problem, because of how we are structured in our relationship with the factories, because Rani has been instrumental in this, the factory in Finland, uh, they, they make that repellent film for us. It, it's actually cool because... Uh, at first, they were just making it for us, and it took off so much that uh, after a few seasons, they decided to add it to their own range. Because you know, my father and I, uh, my father's companies and and Protexia here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like Elizabeth said uh, earlier, we have presence in 14 countries in the world, mostly in Europe. Uh, so we we are really proud and really grateful to have been able to accomplish that. But it's still at our scale, you know, compared to to a factory like Rani. Uh, Rani uh, during season, like right now, they ship a hundred containers a day, mm-hmm. you know, all over the world. So it, it's just a different scale, you know. So when they saw how well it worked and the feedback that we were getting they decided to add it to their own range to be able to sell it you know in all their uh, to all their markets not just with us you know mm-hmm. so that was a big uh, proof of uh, proof of concept in a way that uh, recognition um but yeah it's it's just how we are structured with the factories and how we work that's what we do we just help and want to be able to solve problems for the end user first what products can you get with that uh, repellent in it? The repellent comes in bale wrap, silage film, um, covers like munker covers and um, oxygen barrier covers and also in silage and grain bags. And so since it's put into the plastic when it's being extruded, it's in every square inch of the plastic. It doesn't wash away and it's effective in your field for two years. Wow. That's just ag uh, business in a way. We have also some uh, application for those additives outside of this. And now we are starting to get 
requests from uh, manufacturers in completely different industries that, w- that would like to incorporate it in their range, you know. I could see the plastic uh, goes between the plywood and the siding on houses, things like that. Oh, Is yes. That, so we make it for that as well. And the moisture barriers, we call that moisture barriers. The, it's a film that we put between the house and the, between the new construction and the ground, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to prevent moisture from the ground to yes. come up and crack the concrete slab. So we have, we can put a thermite repellent in this one. And that's, uh, that was a game changer in France. You know. Wow. The regulation actually changed because of us, or thanks to us, I should say. Oh, really? Now in France, now in France, it's even illegal. Before, you could buy some films that were um, impregnated with pesticides to prevent the termites to come in. Mm-hmm. Now it's illegal. They have to use a film like ours. Oh, wow. That's a big deal. That way they don't ever have to spray pesticides into the ground or put pesticides and make them you know, into the water supply and stuff like that. And right. it's safer and it just became a new kind of standard. Very cool. I want to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give you some context. I'm from the West Coast where it's dry. Tarping hay is very normal here. And in fact, we will fully wrap stacks uh, hours after it's baled with no time to sweat the moisture out of the hay. We'll put a tarp on the bottom, stack hay on top of it, fold the bottom tarp up the edges of the stack, and then put tarps over the top and wrap it all up like a Christmas present. Move it months later. And I, I did some of this this last year. And when we opened up the stack to, to ship the stack, it was exactly the way that it went in, with the exception of where one gopher came up through the, the bottom tarp. So out of 200 tons of hay, one gopher came up, made a hole in the tarp, a little bit of dirt, and there was four bales that couldn't go. Uh. Yeah, right? <laughs> this, that's the tarping world that I live in crews of people that come around and tarp haystacks. It's it's a very West Coast thing. Going farther east, tarping doesn't work well. But you have a breathable tarp. Can you take me through the why behind the what and talk about that a little bit? For sure. It's probably second to the our repellent range. It's the thing I get so excited about, just hearing the difference that it makes to people at the end of the year and when they're using it. So we have um, the only breathable tarps that are water-resistant, UV-treated, so it doesn't bleach the bales, all that kind of stuff. The fact that they're breathable means that they don't catch the wind and they they keep the rain and everything and keeps the temperature down in the bales so that they don't mold and sweat and you don't get that yeast in between every bale. They're impossible to rip. I mean, you can poke a hole and hang a 500-pound weight. They will not continuously rip. They have a three-year mm. warranty. They're super lightweight. Like, uh, our small one weighs 35 pounds and covers, you know, 64 by 5 bales. Our biggest one is 75 pounds, uh, 89 pounds in weight and covers, like, 124 by 5 bales. And they're just great to handle and it's night and day as far as like you get barn quality hay anywhere out in the field whenever you need it without the barn cool do those products work really well in the wettest places yes um so i mean we even we sell a lot of them even in the southern part of florida mississippi louisiana uh you know 
North Carolina and even the southern part of Texas all around the Gulf. So they work in humid places because the plastic, it's not like plastic sitting on top of a bale. It's breathable. You know what I mean? So the wind blows through it and it keeps the temperature down and your bales are safe and they're awesome to handle. I don't know if you've ever tarped a uh, pile of hay, but it is a fresh hell that I would wish on no one. <laughs> you know, the because, wind... I mean, they, they, if they get blowing and clapping in the wind or if yeah. they rip or there's, you know, a big pool of water that you almost drown in. And I'm speaking from experience here. <laughs> no, nope, I'm following along with everything you just said. <laughs> People are storing, have been storing bales just out in the field that are getting rained on and ruined and, you know, yeah. their animals are eating it. You don't realize at the end of the day that if there's a little bit of mold on the outside, those spores go deeper than you think. Mm -hmm. And it affects your animals, even beef cattle, you know, how they're keeping weight and dairy cattle, how much they're yielding, health issues. I mean, it's... Absolutely. And to spend so much time bailing and, you know, raking and bailing and that... To have it be moldy and just left out in the field, it's, uh, it's a shame. Let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor. From the hay field to the feed bunk, look to Vermeer. You've got livestock to feed. You know about our lineup of mowers, rakes, and balers. Now, we're taking our legacy to the bunk. Introducing the Vermeer lineup of vertical mixers and feed wagons. 20 different makes and models to fit your operation. Durable, long-lasting components and accurate scales with Bluetooth capability. From the field to the feed bunk, look to Vermeer. Being on Hay Kings, I get to see a wide range of comments about tarping, right? Uh, out in the West, we do use plastic, and it really doesn't it doesn't breathe. I have seen instances where the hay was a little bit too high in moisture, and then you tarp it, and that makes all sorts of bad problems, where you get condensation oh, yeah. inside uh -huh. the plastic. The bales. Mm -hmm. And then with that condensation, you get the, the top bales are the first ones to go, but then also you do get mold growing and all sorts of other things. Uh, so, uh -huh. yeah, that that concept of a breathable tarp that doesn't allow for that condensation to happen, that really caught my attention when I saw that product. And it's nice because we always uh, like to follow up with, you know, our clients using them to make sure that they had a good experience and just to hear what they thought. It's always nice hearing like how, what a relief it was during setup. You know, they're so lightweight, they're easy to handle, mm -hmm. they don't rip. You know, I, I pulled it back, my hay was the same as the day it went under. It just, uh, those kind of things, they mean so much to us, you know. Farmers and ranchers, your days are so stressful anyway. Mm -hmm. To have something just like work the way it's supposed to and be better than what you thought or better than the last experience that you had. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you get home a little bit earlier and a little less stressed. Yeah. It's important. Makes all the difference in the world. I really like your social media presence. I see the two of you out and about at trade shows. I know that's been a little disrupted here in the last year. Can you take me through what a normal trade show season looks like? The shows that we do, I mean, there's dozens in the U.S. and even more uh, in Canada that we either attend ourselves or our dealers attend. And, you know, we're just there to really educate the market on the kind of new ways for doing their hay and their silage and grain and stuff that are out there. 
educate is the keyword. I feel like what we sell, uh, what, what we do is not selling. It's more like educating people on, on what's out there and new solutions that uh, we can provide. The Agripel product, that seems to be a great answer. And it's not just with the Agripel. Like even our regular silage wrap, mm-hmm. is it's stronger. And we have a unique glue that we use on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's like little things that out in the field end up saving you a bunch of time, like the beveled cores that slide right onto your roller and don't cut up your hands. Every box has an indicator at the top of it. So you know which way to grab that 65-pound roll out so you don't have to turn it around out in the field. And there's just so many little things that we have that end up saving people time. And and a lot of times people can go down in the amount of layers in plastic because lots of people are putting 8 to 10 layers, which is more plastic, more time, more fuel Mm -hmm. uh, out in the field. And they can go, if they're using a quality product, they can use less of it and it goes further and their bales are better protected and there's really an oxygen barrier there, you know, so they end up saving money and time per bale. But with the initial, you know, some things were a little bit more expensive out and I always tell people wherever you try to save in the beginning, you end up paying for somewhere down the line, Mm -hmm. right? When we started here in the U.S. and we met initially with some of the biggest distributors of these products all around, I mean, one person even, like, laughed at us and was like, you will never, ever sell this kind of stuff here. You know, farmers don't care about that. They don't want to know about it. They want what's cheap, and and that's it. And there's a lot of stuff from China and a lot of stuff that ends up really costing farms a lot of hassle, a lot of money, and a lot of stress at the end of the year, you know? At the end of the day, we want to be good at what we do, experts on what we sell and give people because, you know, when you're working with a farm and a ranch that's a business, it's still a family business, you Mm -hmm. know? And everything at the end of the day and at the end of the it affects their family. And we feel really, really lucky that we get to work with awesome people like that every day. But we also know that it's a big responsibility and that we have to do right by them. I'm hearing about maybe some shortages in the plastics world. Fertilizer and plastics, there's there's disruptions all over the place. How has COVID affected your supply chains, your ability to get and deliver products? What are some of the struggles that you've been having? Well, it has been challenging. Uh, that is true. We already know all over the world there won't be enough supplies for every farmer around, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, in some regions of the U.S., some people are calling, say, I can't get my hands on any silage film this year. What, what am I doing? Uh, do you do you have some? And you know what I mean? It's It's been, it's been challenging. Mm-hmm. It's been because of COVID, obviously, and there's two major axis uh, on that. The first one is the resin, the the raw material that is used mm-hmm. to manufacture uh, all, all of our products. Because of decrease in activity all, across, all over the globe, um, I'm thinking, for example, of uh, fuel for planes, you know, consumption of uh, yes. uh, derivative of uh, oil in general has decreased tremendously. So what happened is that the the extractors, the manufacturers of the actual resin, uh, lowered their output. You know, to not sit on a, mm-hmm. on a bunch of uh, of of inventory. 
And what it did is that when, specifically for our industry, the agriculture, we didn't really stop, right? I right. mean, COVID, not COVID, um, you know, when it's season and it's time to go out, it's time to go out, right? So for us, our, when I say us, it's our industry in general, we didn't really decrease our need for those specific uh, products, the resin. So at some point, of course, the the demand is becoming higher than the supply, you know? So COVID started, everything started to go on a lockdown in the world in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. It took a few months to hit the agriculture world, but uh, early, late 2020, we could already foresee it. And early 2021, it started really to become to become crazy. Now we are at the point where uh, some factories, some manufacturers already decided they would stop production. Ah, because they can't get the resin that they need to make the product. Either because they can't or also because it's a conscious decision that some made because they do not want to um, take the risk to produce at such a high cost. Ah, And if there is any chance that that they don't sell any of it, you know, when prices are we'll start to go back down a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. And agricultural products have such a low margin that they don't want to take the risk of buying high, and if they don't sell, then they're kind of stuck, you know? Right. So so the first thing was this raw materials increase. The second thing is shipping. This uh, Container this, shipping, this, yeah. This, this COVID uh, situation has made shipping really messy for lack of a better word mm-hmm. it's just uh, everything is upside down you know that there are some some routes uh, on the globe that there's just too much availability and some others like in our situation it's from europe to uh, north america there's not enough capacity we can't find any empty containers to ship it's it's really really challenging, and just like the raw materials, it's basic supply and demand uh, situation. But just like the raw materials, there's not enough containers to ship, so prices skyrocket. We would advise people to, I mean, whoever you get your supplies from, wherever you are, your fertilizer or anything like that, is just to make sure that they're here. Don't wait because it's. It's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better from everyone that we uh, check with every day in the market and everything else. And so just make sure that you have what you need and it's in hand. Don't wait to get your supplies. Do you have any questions for me? We always think that it's so great what Hay Kings is and how it kind of organically grew into this amazing resource for everyone. It's the amount of information that you can get at, you know, a few strokes of your keyboard. Mm-hmm. It's it's so useful and it's just really fantastic. And it's one of the, I would say, one of the good parts of social media, yeah. you know. I sure do appreciate that. There's just a lot of resources out there in, in the corn and soybean and wheat world. Hay's the third largest crop in the U.S. And to have it, I don't want to take any shots at anybody, but to not have great industry representation and national events all to their own, it's just, it's a little different industry. And I found that there was some need for peer-to-peer interaction. And it's been a, an honor to be able to fill that void. 
Well, thank you, and keep us updated. And if there's ever anything that we can do to help support what it is that you do, let us know. We're always available. All right, wonderful. Have a great day, and thank you. Take thank care. Bye bye. Bye. 